Hello, hello. Good evening, Emerge Church. Are you doing well? Oh, what an amazing church you have. Before you sit down, let me just look at you because then once you sit down, I won't get to see all the people at the very back. Hey, thank you for coming out tonight. Do you know you're a part of a great church? I hope you know that. When I look at this We Care Day and this church giving so many hundreds of hours to just be salt and light with no strings attached, can I tell you that is more Jesus than this world will ever associate with church. And I just wanted to honour you and say thank you so much for volunteering, thank you for giving, for sending your pastor to Cambodia to meet with the governor there and all the 70 or so pastors that he's going to be pouring, knowing full well that they will never be able to pay back, they will never be able to step into this facility, but you as a church send and give that the kingdom of God would be extended. Can you give yourselves a big round of applause and also honour your pastoral team for serving and leading in that generosity. God bless you. You may grab a seat. It is such a privilege. I have had a ball being here. Thank you so much for having me uh, two times in, in almost a year. Two times in almost a year and a bit. So that's awesome. So let's hope, let's hope tonight in this last session um, that our hearts are ready to hear from God. Amen. I was thinking about this story many, many years ago when uh, we just had my third son. I've got a, a 19-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 15-year-old. I think we've got a photo of these three handsome men there. Look at that. Fine little semi-Indian boys. Hey, I'm married to a Kiwi who's half Maori, half Kiwi, who's extremely disappointed about the rugby last night, but that's okay. And together we have made some beautiful, beautiful semi-chocolate Indian babies, right? And, uh, and these guys are all young, uh, single, and ready to mingle. And so if we need to, we can make an emerge center point trade deal. Uh, and work out the, the, all that later on. But um, these three boys, when they, were, when they were four, two, and zero from the very start, Sharon and I decided that we're going to um, start a tradition in our family. See, I grew up in a home where we never ate together as a family. And so we'd all come, get food, go, go to our own rooms, go to the lounge room, eat at different times. And, and, and Sharon said, you know what would be really good? If we started a tradition where we all sat together at the same time and had dinner, and if you've got a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn, you know that is not easy to do, isn't that right? Uh, there's different types of meals, trying to get them all ready. So we decided, you know what, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to build a good, healthy role uh, tradition in our household where our kids can um, keep doing this for the rest of their life. We can come together as a family. And, eat. and I remember Sharon's cooking one thing, I'm cooking the other things, I'm getting the bottle ready, then everything was ready, and we're trying to get all the kids, you know, stop throwing food, sit down in your chairs, you know, we give thanks for the food together, I was like, yes, we've made it, we're the perfect family, uh, just about to eat dinner, and just as we're eating, halfway through the phone rings, and this is back in the old days, I want to explain it to the young people here, back in the old days, we didn't have phones in our pockets, they were attached to walls, 
And there were these cords. Do you remember those days? Yeah, old people going, yeah. So you only had one phone for the entire family, believe it or not. And it was enough. And and when the phone rang, you had to answer the phone. But I decided that because we were going to do family together, we're going to ignore the phone. But the phone was right there on the wall and it was ringing. And I'm trying to eat food with my family because we're trying to get a tradition started that is important. The phone kept ringing. My kids kept looking and saying, phone, phone. I'm like, you know what, kids? Ignore the phone. We're just going to have family together. We're all having fun, aren't we? Phone's ringing, Daddy. Ignore the phone. Eat the food. Phone's ringing, Daddy. And the phone was the person on the other end was so persistent that he kept on going. And then he stopped. And I'm like, yes, I won. Let's eat. And then the phone rang again. Daddy phone, and Sharon finally goes, honey, just grab the phone. Got up my seat, answered the phone, and as soon as I picked up the phone on the other side, it's, hello, Mr. Chalaya, my name is Ramesh, I'm calling from your telephone, uh, telephone service, and I just wanted to know if you were very happy with your, uh, your service right now. And I just remember hearing this guy on the other side, and my kids are there, and I was frustrated, and I'd been trying so hard, and of all things, it wasn't even an urgent phone call. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I have to admit, in that moment, something snapped inside me, and Pastor Joel went to Raging Lunatic. And I answered the phone and said, excuse me, I think his name was Ramesh. Excuse me, Ramesh, how did you get this number? This is dinner time in Australia. And I don't know where you're calling from, but I am trying to get my family around the dinner table. And you, you have the nerve to call me right in the middle of dinner. I've put this number on the do not disturb register, which means you can't call me during dinner time with my family. And if you ever call me again, Ramesh, let me tell you, I will find out and I will sue you. I was so mad. And then he said, I'm sorry, Pastor Joel. (laughs) It's just that I am calling from India. And I saw that you were a pastor, and I want to become a Christian. I have been a Hindu all my life, and I'm going through so much trouble. And so when you say, when I saw that you were a pastor, I thought maybe you could pray for me. I wish I was exaggerating this story right now. My wife and my kids are watching dad go off crazy, and next thing I know, They see me go, well, Ramesh, Jesus loves you very much. He sent his only son to die on a cross for you, that you would know him and have eternal life. It would be my privilege to pray for you. And so I led him through the sinner's prayer, and Ramesh became a Christian. Yeah, you can clap, but not for me. You can clap, but not for me. As I hung up the phone, my wife's looking at me going, what just happened? I said, babe, I don't know, but I have totally blown it. Can you imagine that? On the other side of the world, the Holy Spirit was moving on this person 
who then decides to call a Christian pastor in Australia because he's so desperate to know this Jesus Christ. And this Christian man of God, full of the Holy Spirit, pastor by day, crazy person at night, loses it. And I felt like an absolute sinner. Have you ever felt like that? I mean, this is a funny story of how I totally blew it. But throughout my life, I have blown it time and time again. Throughout my life, there has been many occasions where I have felt like what Paul describes, the worst of the worst of sinners. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15 to 17, Paul says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I, hands up, I am the worst of them all. Have you ever felt like the worst of worst sinners? Have you ever blown it so badly? Today, my sermon is so simple, such a simple message. I used to be a kid's pastor. I used to be a youth pastor after that. I think simple messages really help simple people like me, right? My message title is simple, what to do when you've blown it. What to do when you have bloated. A while back, I was reading the book of Joel. Uh, The book of Joel is one of the minor prophets in the middle of the Bible. And I like that book because, you know, guess what? I was named after it. And uh, it's not a, a minor prophet because it's not significant. It's minor because it's one of the smaller prophetic books in the Bible. I like to call it one of the non waffle prophets. You know, they 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 summarized version. It's not like one of those big waffly books. Uh, And the book of Joel begins with the nation of Israel in such a mess. They are suffering from an unprecedented natural disaster. All hell is breaking loose. There's locust plagues, there's famine, there's the loss of crops. It was an absolute mess. But if you look at it even further, you'll understand that all of these things were just symptoms of a deeper issue. The prophet Joel says, says the suffering is caused by Israel's hardened heart. Israel once walked with God and they turned away from God. They were once faithful to God, but they blew it. They ignored His Word. They had hardened their hearts against Him and they had turned away from God. If you want to see a whole nation that has blown it, in the book of Joel, you will see an entire nation that completely disobeyed God after His loving kindness after his faithfulness, after his care. And here's what I love about the book of Joel. Throughout the whole book, it's only a couple of chapters, so if you've never read this book, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but it's really a good book to read. The whole book is so simple and so profound. And the book of Joel, the prophet says, hey, listen, you have sinned against God, but I'm gonna tell you what to do when you've sinned against Him. I'm gonna tell you what to do once you've blown it big time. If you are like the nation of Israel, heed this advice. The prophet Joel in the book of Joel 2.12 says this, even now declares the Lord, this is the solution for Israel. If you've sinned, this is the solution for you and, my, you and me. He says, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious 
and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. The nation of Israel was struggling with all sorts of issues. They have blown it big time. They've been unfaithful. And the prophet Joel says, hey, I've got the solution for you. Are you ready for the solution? It's not complex. The solution is this. If you're going this way away from God, stop, turn, return to me. That's the solution. What to do if you've blown it? Stop, turn, and return to me. Repentance, God is saying, doesn't have to be a big show. It just needs to come from authentic heart. If you've blown it today, if you think you are the worst of the worst sinners, if you think your past is too shameful, God says, I see it. Stop, turn, and return to me. And I will do something powerful. That whole thing of turning back to God is what the Bible calls repentance. And repentance is not a big show. You know, when I was younger, about 14 years old, I bought these Velcro basketball pants. Pajama, track suit pants, they were basketball. Anyone seen one of those? The sides are all Velcro. You know what I'm talking about? Just in case one day you're walking out on the, on the basketball court and someone challenges you to a basketball duel, you just go. <laughs> and you're ready, as long as you're wearing shorts underneath, Right? So I used to have one of those. Well, the Pharisees used to do that as well. The scribes and the religious teachers, they would cut their garments and then they would sew it together with light thread. So whenever they saw sin or whenever they looked like they were caught out in their sin, they would rip off their garments and make a big deal and wail so everyone would see, oh, there is a repentant person. And Jesus said, I'm not after the performance. I'm not after the outside. I'm not after the people pleasing. If you have blown it, stop, turn, and just return to me. It's as simple as that. You could have blown it this week, and you could feel overwhelmed. I'm the worst of the worst of the worst. Stop, turn, and return to him. Just come home. I love what the prophet Joel says, stop the drama, stop your performing. The Lord is gracious and compassionate and he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. In fact, the whole book of the prophet Joel, the whole book is this tender invitation from God to his people asking them just to return. Everyone can return. There's nothing you've done that is so far back that you can't return. But you don't understand, no, stop, turn, return. It's as simple as that. There's a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become estranged after a big argument. The son ran away from home and the father set out to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Then finally, in a last desperate effort to find his son, the father took an advert out in the local Madrid newspaper. And this is what the ad read. It said, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. 
I love you, your father. That Saturday, 800 pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. I don't even know if that's a true story. But you know what? In every single person's heart, they're just longing to be reconnected with God. And with all of us, we feel so guilty. We feel so shameful. You know, when I used to sin, I would have a series. I still sin now. <laughs> but, you know, when I was younger and I used to sin, I would, I would take two or three days of grace. Like I would apologize straight away, but I wouldn't come back close to God. I wouldn't pray for about two to three days. I called it the cooling off period. Because that's what I needed to do with my dad and my mom in real life. Even though I would say sorry, they wouldn't really, you know, reconnect in friendship for a couple of days. So I thought that's how God was with me. When I sin, I'd say, God, I'm so sorry for sinning. I'll just give you two or three days for you to calm down and cool down before I can come back and receive your love, your grace, your provision, your presence, your peace. But God says, no. Just return. Now. No delay. Just come home. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. All is forgiven. The only one that's separating you from God is not God. It's you. All is forgiven. Simply return. And I love what the second part of Joel goes on to tell us. What God will do for us when we return to Him. He begins to promise us these three promises attached to repentance. Whenever you return to God and you turn back and you come to Him, He promises three things. Here's the first thing. He promises to drive back the enemy from your life. In Joel chapter 2.20, it says this, I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. The Lord says, when you return to me, son, daughter, I will step in and drive back the enemy from your life. Any dog lovers in the house? Anyone absolutely petrified of dogs? Hands up. Thank you. Good. We're going to have a prayer meeting together after this. I think I've found friends. You see, this is what happens. When people talk about dogs, uh, they see this little puppy picture here. Oh, Pastor Joe, you need to get a dog. This is my dog. My dog is so cute. Oh, seriously, it's like another member of the family. If something happened to my dog, I'd just cry. This is what I see when someone says dog. Yes, I've got issues, right? And when I was little, I had an issue where a dog started chasing me and I started running. And from that time, I've always been scared of dogs. But one day, my mom pulled me aside and said, Joel, when a dog starts running towards you, don't run away. Instead, run to me. Run to me. Run to an adult and I will drive that dog away from you. 
in your fear, in your panic. Don't run from my presence. I can't protect you when you are far away. Run to me and I will protect you. I will drive back the enemy from your life. I will make sure that nothing touches you. And that's the first thing the Lord says when you turn back to him, when you draw near to him, he will personally take it under his job to make sure that he drives back the enemy from your life. In Psalm chapter 91, verse one to seven, this is what the psalmist says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by the day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plagues that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, and even ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Why? Because you're so close to him. He'll become your protector your guide. Some people are being tormented. Some people are being tormented in their minds. And you're running away from God when God's actually saying, come here, let me deal with that for you. Tonight, he's going to deliver people from fear and anxiety. He's going to break that chain off your life. And you want to know how you receive that? Believer, stop. Turn, return, and let his presence do the driving out. Here's the second thing he promised. He promises to restore everything that was stolen. In Joel chapter 2, 25, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. This is such a beautiful passage of scripture. You see, the Israelites, they're the ones that rebelled against God. They chose to reject him and to come out from his covering. And when they did that, the enemy had free reign over their lives. The enemy stole from them. And then they decided, they came to their senses and they returned to him. And this is the kindness of God. God doesn't say to them, because you rebelled from me and you chose to do your own thing, this is up to you. You deserve what you got. He actually says, if you come back to me, even from your rebellion and the stupid things that you did, I love you so much. I will do my very best, which is more than enough, to restore everything that was stolen from you. About six years ago, um, I'm on the state executive, I'm the state president of ACCWA, and one of the executive members, a pastor in the church, he decided to commit adultery with somebody in the church, his church. And it just, as you can imagine, not only wrecked his marriage, his family, but being on the state executive and a senior pastor, it actually wrecked the whole church. I was there on that Sunday and I had to tell the church that we had to step him down. I had to tell the whole state that we had to step him down. And it was such a absolute mess. Sin brings mess into people's lives. Five years later, five years later, 
I had the privilege of inviting him and his wife on the stage at state conference and doing an interview with them. He repented. He received counseling. Today, this couple is stronger now than they ever were. In fact, I spoke to his wife and she said, yeah, he did a stupid thing. But you know what? He's a different man. He's repented and I love him and he loves me. And our marriage today is stronger than ever, ever before. And as horrible as the adultery was, it was meant to destroy us. God has restored us to better than we were before. How does that happen? God. And he says, listen, when you stop and you turn and you return to me and you give me the broken pieces that you did, that was your responsibility, but you wrecked it and you put it into my hands, I will restore it. I will take those broken things, those ashes, and I will make them something beautiful again. I have seen God do it time and time again, restoring things back to better than they were. Here's the third thing he promises. He promises to pour out his presence for those who return to him. Joel 2, 28, 29. This is the scripture that many people quote from the book of Joel. It says, and afterwards, after you repent, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirits. In those days, in what days? In the days where the people of God return to him, I will pour out my spirits. He will respond to your repentance by filling you with his presence, with his power. That's what God is able to do. Do you know, every single person gets dry from time to time spiritually. Every single person gets thirsty from time to time spiritually. I wish I could say to you that the last, how many years have I been Christian? 40 years. Wow, I just did that math quickly. The last 40 years, I know you're going, how could he be more than 40 years old? He looks so young. It's all the Botox. No, not really. In the last 40 years of being Christian, it's been a, a journey. There's been seasons where I've been so close to God and so full of His Spirit. And then there's other times that I feel so far and so dry. But here's what John chapter 7, verse 37 to 38. This is Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Listen, it's not a sin that you're dry. It's not a sin that you feel far from God. It's not a sin if you feel thirsty and distant from God. The solution is return to Him. Come to Him. Ask and drink. And He's promised to every single person that comes to Him is that He will fill you with His power 
with His presence and renew you. Only God can do it. Only God can release you from torment. Only God can restore you from your brokenness. And only God can fill you with His Holy Spirit. But you and I have a responsibility Don't, to not just stay where we are and go, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the driest. I'm the most tormented I've ever been. No, stop running from God. Turn and return and He will do what He promises. What He promises He will do to you and I. As the musicians come up to help me, as I mentioned to you at the start, I love the book of Joel because I was named after this prophet. And do you know why my mum chose this name? Because she was a Catholic woman in a hospital when she was pregnant with me and she was supposed to die. She was filled uh, with, apparently I had all these these uh, ulcers and stuff as a baby inside her and something she had taken, some sort of medication caused me to, to burst out in ulcers and I was like a poison in her. And so the doctors said, hey, listen, it's either you or this baby. Pick you. Save yourself. Abort this child. And she said, no, I won't. I won't do that. I won't do that. As a Catholic woman, she got all her little statues all around the bed, her rosaries, and she was calling out to all the saints, the saints of barren, not barrenness, the opposite of barrenness, uh, the saint of healing, the saint of having babies, the saint of this, the saint and that. And she was crying out, save my baby, save my baby. But it so happened that one day when she was in hospital, the AOG pastor in KL visited the hospital and asked whether he could talk to her. The AOG was not looked like uh, looked upon well by the Catholic Church in Malaysia. Uh, they were called demon-possessed and devils and all sorts of things. But she was so desperate. If she wasn't desperate, she wouldn't have allowed him in the room. But because she was so desperate, he was able to share the gospel with her. She prayed the sinner's prayer and he began to pray for her. And she began to be filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues in the hospital bed. And she's like, what is this? This is awesome. And he said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. This is a sign to you that your sins are forgiven, that you are not far from God, but no, God is now inside you. That He is going to drive back the enemy from your life. They began to pray for this baby, this unborn baby, that He would be born and that He would be born strong and that she would have no side effects. Ta-da! I'm here! But more than that, he began to pray that the Spirit of God will restore her. Today, because of my mom's decision, she wasn't just filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just that I was born, but today because of her decision, our whole family is restored back to God. My dad serves the Lord. Together they've got three men that love God. Our wives love Jesus. Their nine grandchildren love Jesus and serve Jesus. 
because of my mum's decision in that hospital that day, even you are getting benefited from her ministry. What a legend. What an absolute legend. On the other side of your returning to God is not just your restoration, your infilling and your freedom. No, there are generations upon generations that will rise up and call you blessed because of your obedience. So don't stay far from God. Don't harden your heart today. Return to me and I'll return to you, Jesus said. Would you stand in this place? I can feel the presence of God here. We're going to sing that beautiful song. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And as we sing this song, I want you to lift your hands and open your heart. And I want you to just pray this prayer. It's a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm coming home. I want to be close to you. I want to know you. I open my heart to you right now. I'm not going to let my failings and my shame Keep me from your presence. Come, Lord Jesus, move, fill, touch, heal. Come on. And I just want, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, let's not be passive in this moment. Let's run to the King of Kings right now. I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Are you ready? Come on, call on that name. The name of Jesus. Your name is power. Oh. Your name is healing. Are you ready in this place? Your name is power. Oh, break every stronghold. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Your name. Your
when you declare your name is power. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Spirit of God is moving all over this place. Here's what I want. If you're a Christian in this place, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray for the people that are around you that need to make a life-transforming decision. Before we open up this altar call, I want to give people an opportunity to return to Jesus, to make Him their personal Lord and Savior. It doesn't matter how bad your life has been. It doesn't matter what you've done. The blood of Jesus is able to cleanse you. It is all powerful. The love of God has paid for your sin, your shame, my sin, my shame. But we must receive His forgiveness and make Him the Lord and Savior of our life. If that's you today and you are far from God, but today you want to return to Jesus. If you want to make Him your Lord and your Savior right here, right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of recommitment. But here's what I want. I want you to be brave. I want you to be humble. And I want you to be full of faith. And I want you to lift your hands right now and say, Pastor Joel, include me in this prayer. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my all. I want to come home. I want to run home like that prodigal son. If that's you, would you lift your hands nice and high? I want to see you. Yes, yes. Who else in this place? Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, if you need to come back to Jesus. Yes, I see that hand. Quickly, quickly run. Lift up your hands and say, Jesus, I'm coming home tonight. If that's you, would you lift your hands? Yes, I see that hand. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father. Thank you for making a way for me to come home to you. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for my sin. Jesus, I believe. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. I choose to surrender. I receive your forgiveness. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. Amen. Father, just move right now. Seal this moment. Fill, flood, touch, heal right now. Cleanse, deliver, restore. Right now, let the anointing fill hearts, touch lives, soften hearts, bring healing right now all over this place. Father, you promised that signs and wonders will follow the preaching of your word. And I release heaven over this place right now. I release heaven over this place right now. I release heaven over this place right now. The anointing to break every yoke, the anointing to bring freedom, the anointing to bring deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Here's what we're going to do.